This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Josh Taransky and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I'm joined by Clint Clifton on the line in the middle of the coronavirus, and we're going to introduce to you this exciting new Church Planting Podcast episode. Um, Clint, how are you doing? Are you surviving the virus? Yeah, I'm surviving the virus. Um, So my son is graduating from high school this year, which is the lamest year ever to graduate from high school. (laughs) Oh, man. And so I've just been like, I've been, you know, I love him so much. He's been such a great kid. He just finished his last like uh, thesis, you know, paper for for school and he's kind of all done and it's so anticlimactic. I mean, he's worked so hard over the years and and he's oh. he's gotten all the way to the end of the line and then there's not even going to be like a ceremony or anything. So it's, it's, ah, oh, man, it's tough. <laughs> But man, that's crazy. It is crazy. Those kind of things are just wild. Mm. Yeah. I know, you know, in the big scheme of things, there's way worse things in the world. You know, I mean, that's not that big a deal, but oh man, it's so, you know, he's my firstborn and he's, he's getting to miss yeah. out on this big, this big part of life. And so I, uh, I pray that somehow the Lord redeems that for him and, uh, gives him an opportunity to have some kind of ceremony or something. So anyway, I heard that there was a um, a movement for a national commencement ceremony. Did you hear that? No. Yeah, that and, like awesome. some some kid out in somewhere that was graduating started off by tweeting Obama and saying, "Hey, you should put on a national commencement ceremony," you know, on TV. And and then I think LeBron James got involved. And so there's there's some kind of movement to get that to happen. So we'll see what happens. Man, that'll be awesome. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who knows? So in this episode, uh, you're interviewing Colonel Joseph Kraft. Yeah. And you're going to talk about leadership. Um, what are you hoping that church planters will hear? Give us a little bit of context for this yeah. interview. Well, um, you know, um, uh, I think most church planners I've interacted with church planners kind of church planning is kind of a young man sport. And, you know, uh, you're, you had done some ministry and some life before you went into church planting, Josh, but most church planters are pretty inexperienced and young when they get started. And my experience is they overestimate their leadership skills, uh, generally, and they get into church planting and then they start getting, you know, getting complicated, challenging leadership, uh, you know, situations, circumstances thrown at them. And I don't know, it's tough. They make bad decisions often. And Mm. sometimes those bad decisions lead to their churches, you know, not making it or there being conflict or they just respond poorly. So, I mean, leadership has so much to do with how the people around us feel motivated for, um, for serving the Lord and being a part of the church and relating to one another. And man, you know, I've, you've heard it said that everything rises and falls on leadership. And I think in many ways that's so true in church life. Um, how the, how the church planter leads, um, makes a huge difference in the success of the ministry. I mean, um, and I'm just being, I'm being very practical and pragmatic here, but that is a big factor. So, 
you know, church planners going out, they may be called, they may have a passion, they may be zealous, uh, but if they don't have the skill to lead people, difficult people, um, groups of people with different view, viewpoints, then they're, they're going to struggle in church planning. So I just, uh, I interact with this, uh, this guy, uh, regularly. This is Joseph Kraft. He's a good friend and he's been, um, he's a leadership expert in the Marine Corps. He has, uh, recently run the Lejeune Leadership Institute, which is the Marine Corps, um, kind of elite leadership Institute for the senior most leaders in the Marine Corps. And, um, and so, uh, Joe has run that and he's just got a background in leadership. He's a great godly man, um, but also a great leader, a great husband and got uh, children and just a guy that I respect immensely. And, um, he's going to just share with us some gold nuggets about leadership that hopefully will help us be better leaders. Amen, man. I'm glad you got a hold of this interview. This is going to be great stuff because I it is so true that you got to be a good leader. And and you know just to add to what you're saying about young guys thinking that they are good leaders, I think I think where that plays into sometimes you could just be arrogant, but sometimes you can think that um, because you feel comfortable in front of people that you're a good leader, or you can right. kind of equate other. Um, abilities as oh I if I could do this comfortably then I must be a good leader and leadership is a, a real art form that you yeah. that you develop over the years so I'm man, glad you said that stuff. it was I, I thought you were going to say it's a real skill and I think it is more an art than a skill uh, because you know in art one of the things that's true in art is that you learn rules but then when you master rules, you break rules. And that's what makes mm -hmm. greatness. You know, if you have ever heard a musician or a painter, sort of a painter that paints by numbers or a musician that plays by all the rules, like the music's okay, but it's a little bit boring. The great musicians master the rules and then break the rules because they know how to break the rules and where they can break the rules. And that's I think that's true about leadership. There's like some principles in leadership that we need to understand and be able to practice. But leadership's about being socially aware of how the people that you are working with are receiving the information that you're giving to them and then sort of gauging your, you know, how hard you're pressing or or. Um, or, you know, sort of your, your readiness to go into an issue with somebody based on what you're perceiving from them. And so it's just like, it's like relational wisdom. And so it's very much like an art form. So, um, anyway, I think there's some, some principles that we can glean from this, but hopefully we'll gain some wisdom as well. Excellent. Well, let's hear a word from our sponsor and then we'll jump right into this interview with Colonel Joseph Kraft. Have you ever had that experience of hearing a great idea? I mean, a truly great idea and thinking, oh, why couldn't that have been my idea? Well, I had that experience recently when I ran across a company called Space Together. Now, Space Together was founded by a church planter, and Space Together is to the church world what Airbnb is to your family. It lets you rent out your church space as easily as Airbnb lets you rent out your home. You can rent out a part of the building for like a specific day and time, or you can rent out the building in an ongoing way in a time where your facility is underutilized. And Space Together has this great technology 
community that helps you take underutilized church space and create new opportunities for your congregation. Exclusively for Church Planning Podcast listeners, Space Together is offering a $1 posting fee. You can post your space on Space Together for just $1 when you use the coupon code PLANTER. And if you're a church planter that needs space, go on Space Together and look at the places that they're offering and maybe you'll find the perfect spot for your new church. You can learn more about Space Together at their website, spacetogether.com. Okay, Joe Kraft, welcome to the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Well, you um, you are a different kind of guest than we normally have on this podcast. Uh, do you I know that's why? a good thing. Why is that? <laughs> well, it's because you're, uh, you're not a church planter. Uh, okay. Right. Uh, exactly. Uh, you are not yet. Uh, not yet. That's what you're yes, supposed to that's, say. Yeah. I know. I'm working. I'm working on it. But you're a member of the church that I planted. You're an elder in the church that I planted, and we've gotten to work together for the past few years. But your your professional background is uh, that you've worked in the Marine Corps, and you you were sort of known and introduced to me initially as a strong Christian leader in the Marine Corps. And so uh, as I've gotten to know you, I would say that's a great description. And the Marine Corps sort of recognized that by putting you in charge of the Lejeune Leadership Institute. And um, so I wanted to just dialogue with you about leadership. You know the church really well. You're pretty familiar with the church planting world um, and, uh, and you know leadership. And so uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit about that. So uh, if, if you would, wouldn't mind, um, could you define leadership uh well uh, first i you know just to your uh, comments you said i know leadership and i just uh, i i'm always a little i feel a little funny sometimes talking about leadership uh, particularly when i was uh the director of the lejeune leadership institute because i certainly didn't want to give the impression that somehow i'm the master of the craft so to speak um right. or that i've figured it out um because i think we're all kind of you know, lifelong students of leadership. Um, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something I think you have to step into uh, with a, a lot of humility, uh, yeah. you know, so I just want to throw that out real quick so I can uh, share with people things I think I've observed yeah. and things I think I might've learned. Yeah. But I think it's, you know, we have to be careful if we feel like, you know, we've, we've arrived so yeah, to speak, but you talked sure. about a definition of leadership. That's a good one too. I, when I took the job, you know, the general who, uh, you know, actually was my uh, re, uh, reviewing officer, he, he kind of laughed at the position and he said, ah, yes, uh, leadership, the theory of everything, yeah. you know, and I, it struck me when he said that because it's like, um, you know, it's, they answered every problem. So it's leadership, right? Yeah. So um, trying to trying to determine, you know, come, even come up with a definition of leadership uh, can be somewhat challenging out there. Uh, I um, I'm thinking of John Maxwell. He said, "Leadership is influence, nothing more, and nothing less." Yeah, yeah. and that kind of struck me as uh, just a little bit lacking. Yeah. Right. What do you think about that? That. Well, I mean, Maxwell also says, I mean, the only thing I know about Maxwell is everything rises and falls on leadership, you know? Sure. There and, you go. And there you go. It's, it's that theory of everything, right? Yeah. I've oft quoted that, but I, and I, and I think I believe it. Uh, well, the, the observ the plain observation is in church life or really in anything, but in our realm in church life, 
um, the success or failure of a church plant, the, the largest variable in that is the church planter. No matter how you how you shape it, you can give a guy the best team, the best resources, the best facility, the best strategy, and if he's not good at handling the resources, everything falls apart. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're saying a lot of really good stuff there. And one of the things you kind of implied there is it's not just a, about influence; it's about the right influence, right? I mean, yeah. there is a uh, there is a definitive outcome I think that you're looking for. Uh, from that leadership and and somebody else said that um, leadership is influence which maximizes the efforts of others towards achieving a goal okay so now I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better about this definition we're trying to achieve okay the goal kind of matters right there's, yeah. there's a lot of leaders out there um, that are leading people the wrong way right, right, that, right. that's not good I mean do you think Hitler was an effective leader yeah yeah I mean, he obviously was an effective leader, yes, but it kind of depends he's... on how you define it. Yeah, right. right? right, right. Um, so, so it's got to be more than just influence and more than just toward a goal, right? Um, there's a there's an old warrior, Field Marshal Montgomery, and uh, mm. he said, "Leadership is the capacity and the will to rally men and women to a common purpose." And the character, uh, which will inspire confidence, but it must mm -hmm. be based on a moral authority, the mm -hmm. truth. And that I now we're getting a lot closer to me, yeah. me personally, right. because now we're talking about uh, not only rallying people, inspiring them toward a goal, but also possessing the character mm -hmm. uh, and the capabilities to to rightly lead, and also to be grounded on truth. Mm -hmm. And now I think we're really getting to something. And now there, John Maxwell said something else, and I, I kind of morphed it a bit. But essentially, he said, um, leaders know the way, go the way, and show the way. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that, because from my Christian perspective, that leads me in the right direction. Because mm -hmm. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. Um, and he also said that eternal life, that's a big thing. Eternal life was knowing him, mm. right? So if you're asking me what leadership is, um, I believe that leaders um, possess the, 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 um, the fruit of a life in Christ that they can, where leaders lead people to Christ. Uh, mm. They know him. Uh, and they show, they reveal him uh, mm -hmm. to others, and they have the capacity uh, and the capabilities to lead people rightly mm -hmm. um, to glorify God on earth. Mm -hmm. um, and so that may sound a little fluffy because what you said was, uh, or a little, you know, kind of too theoretical. Mm -hmm. Because I think you kind of, when you were talking about leadership, you described you know, managing, you kind of talked about like uh, the resources, uh, kind of, you were kind of implying the church has to be run well, right? Is, is that, did I get that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It, it's not just about ethics. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just about, um, you know, being, um, you know, compassionate and things, those all matter, you know, and, but there's more to glorifying God on earth than, than just the ethics that God has authored. 
you know, mm -hmm. and, and when I think, so I think there's two things that God gives a leader, uh, ethics and principles. Mm -hmm. You and I have had this conversation before, right? But, um, so God in his word gave us ethics and these I would describe as the laws of love and justice, mm -hmm. how you, how you rightly interact with other people. Right. Um, and these are, and ethics are defined by God. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of definitions out there about what ethics are. We have professional ethics in the Marine Corps, which I think is a misnomer. Um, and I try to explain <laughs> that to you. Not that we're not ethical. No, I understand what you mean. There's no, what no, I'm no. saying is God creates ethics. What man takes is his perception of ethics. He creates what, what I believe he creates is morals, which yeah. are the mores of the people. So God's ethics are what we ought to do. And, and man's morals are what we really do. Um, yeah. Or what we accept as, as being the right way to live. And they're not always the same. As a matter of fact, they're never exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and, but we strive as Christians for that ethical standard The rise are to create morals that are ethical. Right. Um, right. So we, as Christians, I think we're pretty comfortable uh, talking about that part of leadership, the ethical part. And right. as a matter of fact, you and I've talked before that the uh, requirements of an elder are mostly ethical standards. Yeah. Character, character. Yeah. Right. But God also in his word, very clearly for leaders, describes um, principles, and I describe these as the way God created the world to work. Uh, these are the laws of life, so to speak, of how he intends us to live on this planet for his glory when he told us to work the earth, to be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over things, to be the keeper of the master's house, the oikonomos, the steward, right? There's actually godly principles for management, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so these are the competencies a leader must have. So a leader has two fundamental attributes, the ethical side, which is, is his character, and the principled side, which is his competencies as a leader. And as leaders, we should have a character that strives for competency, greater competency all the time. And as Christians, we have to develop um, leaders with both of those attributes just like the Marine Corps does. You know, the Marine Corps said, um, our, our, well, all the DOD has a um, oath of, of office or promotion warrant, right? Yeah. And when a, uh, when a person gets promoted, uh, we say, you know, raise your right hand, repeat after me. And, you know, we re, or before we do that, we, we recite the promotion warrant and we say, um, know ye the reposing special trust and confidence and two things, the fidelity and abilities of mm. such and such. I point them to the rank of such and such, right? Right. Two things. Um, reposing special trust and confidence in um, fidelity and abilities. Yeah. And as Christians, our leaders, we should have trust and confidence in fidelity and abilities. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. The mistake in, in pastoral work often is the, uh, the an overemphasis on um well that's that's not right to say not an overemphasis but an uh, uh an emphasis on only fidelity uh and so so let me let me say it like this um if you take um i i can i can point i could point you to many churches with faithful pastors um that uh the churches are dying yes 
and there's no spiritual vitality, there's no vibrancy, there's no joy, there's no mission. And it's not because the pastors are not faithful. They love Jesus. They serve the Lord. They're, they wade through suffering. They love people. In some ways, oftentimes pastors in those scenarios are, are arguably more faithful uh, from a character standpoint. Uh, but at those same churches aren't the ball's not moving down the field, so to speak, because they're not leading well, or they're not maybe using your, your comments you were just making, maybe their abilities aren't honed in terms of what it, what it takes. Some people have it intuitively too, but I think it can be learned as well. What it takes to, to move a group of people from where they are to, to a desired location, you know, or, or oh, absolutely. Future. Yeah. You know, I think the problem is, and I get where you're at because I struggle with the same thing when you're trying to think about this is actually leaders fail on both sides. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, I don't think it's a mistake that, um, the, when the Bible talks about the, uh, the requirements of being a deacon or an elder, it focuses on character because that's foundational. And, but, competencies matter too and so if you just think about your own church experiences we've we you've seen churches that just weren't uh the skill sets weren't there in the leader right but you've also seen catastrophic failures and some big ones that have right. you know we've all we probably all know about within the church community where leaders failed in character right and that is just um that's like popping a balloon I mean, right. it's, you can't, so can't really blow that one back up again. And, and think about uh, David, you know, David in Psalm 78, 72 um, says that with an upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Yeah. So yeah. Character and competence. Where did he fail? Oh yeah. Well, he, character on the character side, David, mostly he, yeah. he made some other mistakes, but the one we all remember is the character yeah. side but you know yeah. he took if you remember you know he was an outcast and the bible says the outcast in the hills and country went to him yeah. and he turned them into the mighty army to, yeah. to his mighty men right but it he took the dregs essentially so those that were not acceptable and right. he's up in the hills and you know and hiding out and he he formed these people into the 300 uh, i mean he was skilled and he yeah. had character but he had a character failure a fatal flaw that just um this devastated him and it's kind of it never really bounced back completely from that i mean right. the, the implication the impact of that was tremendous right wow so one of the one of the things that i i've noticed in church planning work church planning is kind of a young man's sport um the guy who goes out to start a church um is usually uh you, you know got some education on his side he's usually got an exemplary character, a very good character, um, but he hasn't been proven as a leader yet. Generally speaking, church planners are guys who haven't been senior leaders in the past. One thing I notice about church planners is they have a lot of confidence in their their abilities to lead, when even when they've never led. Um, and so the, they very commonly will step out, and this was true of me too, I planted when I was 24, and I, d I never questioned my leadership ability because I had never led anybody more than just a few people. So I'd never had the experience of running into the difficulties of leadership. And it's sort of one of those, you don't know what you don't know kind of things. And uh, so I see very commonly that the first brick wall a church planner hits when he goes out there and tries to plant a church is the brick wall of 
leadership. He goes out, tries to gather people together. And before, if you had asked him before he started, how many people do you think you'll be able to gather together? And he were to be honest, he'd say 50, 100, 200, you know, kind of. And then he goes out there and, you know, he's not able to gather sort of anybody except his immediate family members or or maybe his aunt or, you know, or something like that. And he says, and then you say, well, why weren't you able to? And he's got all these reasons or excuses, you know, why he can't do that. So, I, I guess with with the knowledge that I, I'm saying my observation about church planters is they overestimate their leadership aptitude before they begin the work, um, but they usually have the character piece primarily and or mainly intact. What would you say a young leader um, should do to remedy a problem like that? Well, that's a that's a great. That's, <laughs> I'm excited you're talking about this. This is a this is a great thing. I, I'm. I think you would probably um, agree without me sounding overly prideful that the Marine Corps has a pretty good leadership culture. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They've certainly got a reputation for that. And, yes. Right. Uh, I mean, we don't always get it right. We're not hundred uh, percent, but you know, uh, what do we say? We win battles and make Marines. You yeah. know, this is what we do. Um, and you know, that the Marine Corps there's some things about the Marine Corps that I think actually we have to our advantage um, mm. over the other services. No offense to anybody, right? Um, <laughs> they're good too, right? Now, so, but uh, you know, we the uh, re, the ratio of officer to enlisted, you know, we have far fewer officers to enlisted personnel. Seventy five percent ish of the Marine Corps rotates out of the Marine Corps every four years, okay. so the turnover is high. We're the youngest. Um, of the DOD services, we have the youngest population. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and, and uh, we're very much deployed on the front lines, right. as you know. Uh, I mean, that we, we run pretty hard, this, uh, this small force. And what, what strikes me about the Marine Corps is um, Marines step into a leadership culture and they are expected from day one to lead. Um, you know, we've actually added some extra training. I won't get into details, but we've actually ch significantly changed our boot camp to kind of force the leadership process early in boot camp before they even, you know, put on rank. We already forced them to do peer-to-peer -peer leadership. Uh, you send uh, all our officers to uh, the schoolhouse there. And they're evaluated on leadership from their peers, from everybody on day one. It's nonstop, and they uh, and we throw uh, Marines at a very young age into a lot of um, high performance tasks requiring team them to lead teams. Why am I saying all this? Because we have a um, great commission uh, to make disciples uh, in in the church, and we tend to think along the lines of doctrinal training. Awesome. Good. We don't throw them into leadership. Um, and so when you talked about um, what we need to do, I guess, is part of our mindset for discipling Christians is have a mindset of discipling leaders, yeah. of making them uh, leaders right from the get go. Because the, the way you make leaders, the way you get past those issues is you let leaders lead. In other words, let them make the mistakes and learn things um, at a lower level, at an earlier age, uh, with smaller groups. So before that church planner goes to be a church planner, like you do, I know, in your um, residency course, 
is a uh, forced performance is what we call it in the Marine Corps. All right. You want to plant church? Well, I, you're leading the big event for the for our church tomorrow. Yeah. Or whatever you know. I'm yeah, being yeah. facetious a little bit, but part of a leadership culture is a mentality that everybody's a leader, and that you practice leadership. You're going to get your ten thousand hours before okay. you get to. Okay, so let me t- let me push let me uh, I don't want to push back. I agree with you, but I'll, let me t- test your theory there a little bit. Okay. So um, I think the common view is that leaders are born. Uh-huh. The people, you know, they're born and they know how to lead. It's intuitive. Um, but you're saying, if I understand you right, I think I just heard you say everybody's a leader. They just need reps. They need to be put in circumstances where they're forced to lead mm-hmm. uh, and it's required of them to do so. And then it's, a, it's in a sense, a learned activity through experience. Is that really what you're saying? Um, yeah, that's another great one. Um, so, you know, my wife. Yes. Um, she's just naturally better at everything than I am. <laughs> I, w- I would agree. She's very impressive. Yeah. Well, don't say it so quickly. But yes. Um, and. <laughs> To me, I she's got natural abilities when it comes to people okay. that I don't think I'll ever have, mm-hmm. I, and I, it frustrates me. I mean, we can walk into an environment, and I, I have done this before as an experiment. I have intentionally tried to do and say the exact same things that she did to a, little, a small population group like Ipecalus or something, mm-hmm. and I will get a completely different result. <laughs> For some reason, she's got just some kind of, uh, you know her. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. a listener can't appreciate what I'm saying. But I acknowledge that. Um, but that doesn't mean that I yeah. am not required to use my abilities to the best I can yeah. uh, to lead. Um, and I can get better at leading mm. every day of my life. Um, and, I, and I've got some opinions about how you do that, of course. But I do think that um, we all have our different talent, skills, and abilities that God has given us. We all have our different personality traits and bents and all that, but we are all equipped and, and I think challenged by scripture to use what we have to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a church culture you know, can have kind of three roles. They can have a dependent culture, an independent culture, or an interdependent leadership culture. And dependent leadership culture is, you see this in a lot of churches where the idea is um, that there's particular people in the church, authority figures who are the leaders in the church. And so really the activities of the church are driven by loyalty to that leader. And it is a, it's a relationship where I'm waiting for that leader to lead. Yeah. Right. And an interdependent um church kind of environment it's really kind of you know there's people with specific expertise uh or people who are very dynamic in the population group you know and they kind of um will take up leadership positions um as it seems profitable yeah you know an interdependent leadership environment is where we all see everybody yeah as a piece of our leadership equation yeah and we're iron sharpens iron uh, every day, uh, recognizing, I mean, you know, you know, you see everybody in church, you know, every one of the elders, every one of us have different talent, skills, and abilities. And there's some you would just not put in this role. There's some you'd put in this role, but they all have a role. They all are a critical part of the body mm. uh, and they need to be active in that body. And I think every one of them 
everybody can grow in their leadership abilities. But when a church planter goes out and starts to plant a church, I mean, I think the the differential for me is that I now know 15 years into church planting that I need a team like that around me and that it takes various gifts. I even now I see it in the scripture, like very vividly. I think of Ephesians four, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as shepherds and teachers for the building up of the body that we all might reach mature faith like that. Now I see it in the scripture, but when I started out planting a church and most of the church planners I'm working with, they, they think that they're going to be sort of 50% of the church and then everybody else is going to make up the other 50%. And now when I look at it, I say, I'm like less than 1% of the church and other leaders are less than 1% of the church. And the members are even a smaller fraction than that in terms of their equity stake in the, in the thing. And there's just, there is, I just grossly overestimated how critical I was to the equation. So I'm critical in a catalytic sense where I, like it wouldn't have got started if I hadn't done it. But once the st- it started, the organization really needs a, a huge variety, huge buffet of gifts, abilities, talents, and and then a culture like you just mentioned, of generosity, kindness, gentleness, you know, uh, mutual respect, out of reverence for Christ, those sorts of principles we see in the scripture. Yeah. Well, and there's lots of different ways that that body supports one another. Again, I think pastor, you know, uh, the you know, the, the person who's approaching leadership solely from the doctrinal perspective, you know, like I have stuff to teach to impart. Right. And again, that's super critical. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying that there's, when you think about the dynamics of the church experience, where are um, church members struggling? You know, it's across a whole spectrum of life issues. Yeah. You know, for example, and like, I think at our, our church, uh, we've done a pretty good job of identifying people within the church. Like, you know, we've got an elder who does financial uh, count, you know, training uh, for people. That to me is part of discipleship. Right. Because he's demonstrating how we are stewarding these resources and loving others with these resources in a godly way. And he brings people in church who are challenged there and helps them uh, use ethics and principles like we talked about before to uh glorify god in finances same yeah. with marriage same with i mean there's so many issues that you know that i'm sure you experienced it as soon as you got into a pastoral position you were overwhelmed yeah. i'm sure with all the need in the church yeah. and my response was to and i think this is the gap between what i knew then and what i know now the, my response was to work harder, to, to meet all those needs myself, because I thought that nobody else cared and nobody uh, enough and nobody else had the aptitude to do it. Nobody else would take it as seriously as me. Um, those sorts of things. So I was really hesitant to deploy equity. And now, you know, now I know that the equity I have to be, it has to be like a mutual fund. I mean, we uh, tons of us have to have a, a big stake in this for it really work. And, uh, and I, I just wish I would have, I mean, if I were starting a church over again, it would be all about the team. Right. Um, so isn't that uh, what Moses did? Yeah. You, you, you sort of light or an act, uh, engage the, 
the gifts of others. And it's like flipping on switches. Every time I flip on one of those switches, the church becomes better and healthier, you know? Well, you think about that. I mean, it's such a great point. And I think the reason why we hear the story of Moses and Jethro having that conversation, right? Jethro, right? Yeah. You know, when he says, hey, Moses, what are you doing? You know, because, you know, certainly nobody was more equipped, more passionate, uh, dedicated his life uh, to the cause. Nobody was like Moses in that respect. And he was dealing with all kinds of craziness. I mean, one minute he's leading them, next minute they want to stone him. I mean, he's dealing with kind of a rough crowd. And uh, so he's trying to handle everything until finally Jethro, an older person who's probably got a little more experience, says, yeah, that's not going to work. But for all the same reasons you just said, and by the way, this is not a a problem that escapes the Marine Corps or any other military service either. We all have a tendency um, to to think, well, it's just easier if I do it myself or Mm -hmm. no one can do it as well as I can. and, And this needs the very best. And here I am little bit of pride in there, a little bit of understanding the limitations of people. But the problem you run into is you can't do it for one. And if you don't allow people to step into those roles, they don't develop. And that's why we don't have a discipleship program. At many churches lack a leadership discipleship program in their discipleship program because they don't give them a chance to fail small before they fail big. And, and it, and the Bible says practice these things because you have to practice. I mean, we, we get it wrong all the time. Yeah. When I look back on of some of the mistakes uh, that we made at Pillar that worked out pretty good, um, there's a few things in that category. Like I didn't, I didn't do it for that reason, but it, it's like I always think of playing pool and, you know, you aim for the corner pocket and you make it in the side pocket instead. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, I meant to do that. You know, uh, there's a lot of things like that that happen in church planning. One of them was, in aiming to develop church planters from the very beginning, we made a bunch of great leaders for our church. Um, and so because we set the leadership bar really high and said, we're going to develop you so much that you'll be able to go out and lead your own initiative somewhere else. And we started training leaders to do that. Those leaders got all their practice and all the reps in our church and that created this other level of people who said, oh, those guys are doing it. I can do it. And then it just created this culture of and it was unintended for sure. I mean, I, I wasn't that smart at 24 years old to think that that's how we would do it. I, again, at that time, I was thinking I'm the key to this, the success of, or failure of this organization. Um, and uh, and then over time, it created this leadership culture uh, that that it was normal, natural, common for our members and leaders and elders and everybody to be always kind of carrying somebody along with them or, or to, to be learning and growing. And that, that made a huge difference in our organization. I think that is the leadership culture, you know, the leadership culture that we, you know, is that environment we understand, we communicate, we uh, practice that everybody leads in some way. Everybody's growing in leadership in some way. Yeah. And we are helping each other. Uh, and we understand that's intentional, you know, and, so there's a couple things that we've kind of talked about that I think are lacking sometimes in church discipleship programs as kind of like a, just a, um, it's just something we're not thinking much about is one, we talked about uh, that culture of leadership. The other one is, and it's foundational to that culture of leadership is uh, discipleship in the principles, not just the ethics, like we talked about at the beginning, because for example, uh, one of the things the Marine Corps really pushes on that is great 
they, as a matter of fact, we steal, I think it's Rudger Kipling's line, the strength of the wolf is the pack and the strength of the pack is the wolf, I think is how it goes. And what the Marine Corps does is we focus on developing a Marine Corps by focus on developing the individual Marine mm -hmm. as part of the team. Yeah. And, um, and so what we understand, I think intuitively correctly, is that all organizational problems are the same. Essentially, yeah. whether you're talking about IBM or the Girl Scouts, why? Because all organizational problems are simply people problems mm -hmm. because organizations are just a collection of people with a purpose. And the culture of an organization is really the uh, convergence of a collection of characters. Mm -hmm. So the character and competency of the collection of people that God puts together in his church become the culture um, and it's it's all of the influences of all these people combined and so the marine corps says that a unit an organization will mirror the strengths and weaknesses of its leaders and i think you kind of said that right at the beginning and so some things that if i were gonna when i talk to my kids for example about leadership and marines that i've worked with i try to help them see that um their that the their leadership is the fruit of what they're of what is in their heart mm -hmm. um and it starts with being uh, is is what's at the center of your life really yeah and we need to have leaders who are truly christ-centered that nothing else has become the center of their life and then they need to abide in christ like jesus said and let the fruit of that abiding pour out and then they need to practice the principles that God has ordained in all the areas of their life. So they need to be excellent in finances to God's glory. Why? You can't run church finances if you don't have your personal finances in order. Right. You are going to have a hard time in relationships if your family relationship is out of order. Right. You're going to have a hard time developing the church's future if you don't know how to goal set and time manage and do this personally. You know, so all these things you and I have talked about before, these six F's that we talk about in the Marine right. Corps, the, the organization has the same F's. You know, the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual elements of, of us, the, the organization has them too. Right. Um, right. And so whatever we project is what we, you know, we breathe into our organization. Yeah. And so you have to, the Marine Corps calls it leading self. The, the, the foundational level of leadership is lead self, right. and it is, is the foundation. Now, me, as a Christian, I would say that's being spirit-led. Yeah. The foundation of this is being led by the spirit and adhering to God's ethics and God's principles. Mm -hmm. Not perfectly. You're not going to get it perfectly right, but we should be striving to always try to perfect that so we have something to give to our church. Right. It makes me think of uh, even—, even uh, buried in the character qualities for an elder, you know, is that, um, he should be a good manager of his own household for, if he can't manage his household, how can he lead the household of God? And those, the, in, in that principle in the scripture of faithful with little faithful with much, those ideas are, are, um, you know, sort of, uh, really applicable when it comes to leadership. I mean, there's the idea that we can, we can skip steps 
you know, in the process of becoming a leader, we can be, you know, kind of an unfaithful leader in our household and that'll, and we'll still be a faithful leader in another place. It's, it's just a misnomer. Well, and it's interesting too, uh, you know, unfortunately I've had, I've had had a circumstance where I've had to uh, discipline a lot of uh, failed leaders um, yeah. in my career. And um, it's, uh, it's always an ethical issue. Yeah. Right. But it was, it was enabled or facilitated or, I don't know what another word it was it was stoked by almost always by a competency problem mm. you know in other words when you can't manage your finances it leads to a relationship problem All and right. the relationship problem causes um, an environment that helps kind of um, becomes a tempting environment mm. a temptation environment and right. it becomes overwhelming you start to you know you you become mentally, emotionally, physically exhausted, and then your spiritual side of you just maybe succumbs to that. Yeah. Um, and so this MEP strength, we call it, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, go together, and so do the competencies. Yeah. And so one of the things you do to keep warriors from going rogue on you in combat is you do everything you can to take care of their physical needs. Yeah. Because when you get cold, wet, tired, and hungry, uh, and scared, you become susceptible to mm. ethical issues more so than usual. We're all susceptible all the time. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, uh, it was that was paradise, and and man, man failed there, right? But yeah. it gets a, as most people realize, it gets uh, when life gets hard. Sometimes those decisions become harder too. And so, as as people who protect and shepherd, we got to yeah. teach people. It should be our a critical part of our discipleship program for our right reasons that we help people understand how to how to uh be good stewards so to speak um of the things that god gave us so that we can have the fullness of joy as much as possible and also have some strength for, with that if that makes sense yeah. to you i don't know it does yeah it does yeah. absolutely well um this has been a great conversation. We've run out of time. I, I suspect okay. I suspect that we could do this for um, hours on end if we if we uh, wanted to. But thanks so much for taking time to talk uh, to me. Absolutely, today, thank you. It's a lot of fun. I learned something. All right, man. Thanks. Hey, Clint. Do you know what causes people to find a podcast in the store when they do a search? No. It's the reviews. If people give reviews and stars, that is. That's one of the most important things. That, so uh, what you're saying is there could be some person in Arizona who is feeling God calling them to plant a church. Yeah. And they go to iTunes thinking, I wonder if there's a church planting podcast. And That's they what type I would in do. church planting podcast, which is in fact the name of our podcast. Yes. And our podcast doesn't show up first because there aren't enough reviews. It's sad. That's it's sad. really sad. I mean, to think about that, they're probably going to get some some other podcast, yeah. inferior podcast. And this is free. It's free. This is free. It's totally free. All they can, you just go in and help us out. Leave help a us review. Out. Yeah. Thanks. We will not. We will not do a shareathon like the Christian radio does. <laughs> we're not gonna. We're not gonna browbeat you. We're not gonna. We're not gonna ask for anything from you except for just write down words. Even if you write down about how you don't like us, that's fine. Yeah, we have uh, terrible radio faces. <laughs> Something like that. I've been in your waters.
thank you for listening to the church planning podcast don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app today's episode of the church planting podcast is sponsored by new city network the church planting ministry of mclean bible a special thanks to today's guest colonel joseph Kraft. Josh Taransky produced today's show. Zuki Bastian was our showrunner, and her husband Nick was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. Hey, if you'd like more information about the show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so check us out there on the social. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.